Pastor Rich and Pastor Mindy have chosen these people to speak to you. We call it four for five. And each person will speak for five minutes if they can hold it to five minutes. <laughs> we have really tried <laughs> to get through some of that, uh, but I've read their notes. It's going to be an absolutely fabulous service. So would you please welcome our first speaker, Sherry Kihos. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. Thank you all so much um, for allowing me this time to speak with you all. Um, I just want to uh, say, first of all, I'm not being timed right now. This, my time doesn't start yet, guys. Um, because I, wanted, I want to share with you all how God works. Um, a lot of you all know that anyway, right? It's what big church is about. But I just want to share how God works and how God's already moved um, with um, Pastor Isaiah and Pastor um, Sherry this morning already um, with what's lined up. I don't know what the rest of our talented panel has lined out for you all this morning, but um, Pastor Isaiah um, introduced a new song, You Are the Same God, and uh, Pastor Sherry shared a word this morning in Circle Up. Um, about uh, the story of David and Goliath. And what I'm going to share with you all this morning um, and what Sister Sherry sa uh, shared in Circle Up um, was in that song that Isaiah shared this morning, You Are the Same God. Kind of touched on a little bit. So I just want to share, God already knew what he laid on my heart to share with you all. So that's already how God works. Um, and I just wanted to share that testimony. So that was free. For you all, that's not included in my five minutes. Just saying. <laughs> so, um, what I want to share with you all, if I could title it, although it's short, is now hiring, no experience needed. Um, so, we see in the world today, um, in the in the shape that we're in, signs everywhere. I think on the way to work, although we were on the expressway a lot, I probably saw um, at Speedway and a couple of gas stations. Now hiring, apply within. You see it everywhere. Um, it's all over right now. Um, working with recruiters, I deal with candidates' resumes on a daily basis, looking over qualifications of the jobs that they're applying for. Sometimes people are overqualified. Some of them are lacking education. My husband knows this past week I've dealt with it. Some people are lying about their education just so they can get in the doors. Um, but we find throughout the Bible, time and time again, where God uses individuals to do his work and to perform certain tasks without instructions, and, but just with God's instructions. But what we don't see is where God asks for resumes. He doesn't ask for candidate qualifications. He doesn't ask for any of that. He just chooses them. And he's like, you're going to help get this task completed. It's going to be done because I choose you. You're the one that I'm choosing to take care of this task. And I'm going to be talking about Moses. Just like I said, you are the same God talked about Moses in that song. So you're going to have to go home and read um, Exodus chapter 3 a little bit. You're going to have to go home and read Exodus verses, um, chapter 4 verses 1 through 9, get a little bit of the backstory, try to share with you a little bit. He gives Moses some signs. Um, and saying, I'm going to prepare you to do this. He talks about some signs in Exodus um, chapter 4, 
verse 1 through 9. He shows him three signs, actually. Um, trying to prepare him, trying to get him to know, give him the confidence. You're who I've chosen. So where I'm going to take you um, is Exodus 4 and 10. But first, um, who's ever, whoever remembers helping in Bible school? Anybody? Do I got any Bible school helpers out here? All right. Awesome. Awesome. In the year 97, 98, that's when I started helping in Bible school. And we talked about, um, <laughs> uh, I just showed my age a little bit, didn't I? Um, okay. Sorry. Um, but, you know, who remembers the song? Pharaoh, Pharaoh. Oh, whoa. Gonna let my people go. Woo. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. All right. So, all right. All right, all right, all right. So, anyway, <laughs> um, he is preparing Moses to instruct Pharaoh to release God's people out of Egypt. Guess what? Moses didn't understand the assignment. He wasn't ready. He was trying with all that was in him to say, God, I don't want this. But it wasn't just because there was a problem with him. He was scared. He felt unqualified. He actually had a speech impediment. And he felt like he needed help. So we're going to uh, Exodus 4.10, and I'm reading now the message today. Moses raised another objection to God. Master, please, I don't talk well. I've never been good with words, neither before nor after you spoke to me. I stutter and I stammer. Guess what? God had an answer because he'd already chosen Moses for this task. 11 and 12 goes on to tell us this. Who do you think made the human mouth? He made, who makes some mute? Who makes some deaf? Some sighted, some blind. Isn't it I? God, get going. I'll be right there with you, with your mouth. I'll be there to teach you what to say. Moses still wasn't feeling confident. He continued to plead. And verse 13 tells us this. Master, please. He's begging at this point, guys. How many of you all do the same thing with God sometime? Not ready. It's not me. Please send somebody else. But listen to what God does next. Because he's always going to make a way when it's our calling. When it's been put up on our life. Remember, he'd already prepared the way. He'd already shown him three signs if you go and you read four, 1 through 9. He'd already given him those signs. But God gets a little perturbed with us sometimes. Kind of like we are as parents with our kids. Gets a little angry with us. So 14 through 17, God got angry with Moses. Don't you have a brother, Aaron the Levite? He's good with words. I know he is. He speaks very well, in fact. At this very moment, he's on his way to meet you. God's got a way. When he sees you, he's going to be glad. You'll speak to him and tell him what to say. Once again, here he goes. I'll be right there with you as you speak and with him as he speaks, teaching you step by step. He will speak to the people for you. But I love what he says next. He'll act as your mouth, but you will decide what comes out. Now take this staff in your hand and you'll use it to do the signs. So even when we aren't or we don't feel that we're the most qualified candidate, Back to my job now. 
God's going to make a way. Sometimes it means that he's going to have to send us a helpmate. And that's what he did with Moses. He sent his brother along the way. He's going to make sure that his job gets completed. What I want to leave you with today is a challenge that he gives us in Isaiah 6, verse 8. And this is actually out of the NIV. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, Lord. Send me. Do you understand the assignment? Are you ready when he says, I need you to do this? Or are you going to be like Moses and need sign after sign after sign? Are you going to need a helpmate? You don't have to do life alone. Look to your left or to your right. You got a brother in Christ, maybe. Maybe it's your brother in flesh. But you don't have to do life alone. It's what we say here all the time at Big Church, right? He might have to send you a helpmate. But he's going to use you to get the job done if that's what he's called you to do. So be ready for the assignment. Be ready to answer his call if he's chose you. Thank you all. All right. Next up, we have Michael Lutz. Give it up. Oh, that's going to be a tough one to follow. Uh, and I just want to speak into that real quick. I uh, have made a living as a professional poker player for 22 years, and now I'm up here teaching the children of God some scripture and how to communicate with the Holy Spirit. So when he calls you, he calls you. <laughs> All right. Wow. John 14, 26. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, who the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. I'm going to teach you all three ways to hear the Holy Spirit better, okay? First one is the most important. It's by reading the Word of God. Get in your Bible, folks. It's going to be the foundation for all communication with the Holy Spirit. In 2 second, in Timothy 3.16, he teaches us that all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training, in righteousness. Do you ever have conversations in your head while you're reading your Bible? That used to bother me. It's like, why can't I focus? Why can't I pay attention to the Word of God? Don't be critical of yourself. Give yourself grace. That is Holy Spirit speaking to you, okay? The Bible is not a novel we are supposed to race through. We need to meditate on these conversations. This is how we get revelation on application. This is where true value lies. This is where lives are changed. That's how we operate day to day with the will of God when we pay attention to these conversations, Holy Spirit speaking to us through reading of Scripture. After you're done with those conversations, go back and reread what your eyes glazed over. You can do it again. This isn't a race. Knowing Scripture is the only way to check your math to make sure you are actually hearing from Holy Spirits on the other ways I'm going to try to teach you to hear from them. Okay, the next one that I consider the second most important is prayer. After making your requests in prayer, give Holy Spirit a time to chime in. I think so much of our prayers is, God, do this for me. God, could you do this for me? Help me hear God. Listen. 
It's no accident that the best communicators are the ones that are the best listeners, observers, understanders, empathizers. During prayers where Holy Spirit is going to act in the different roles he plays in your life. Sometimes you need him as the comforter, your mom, your grandma, someone that's just gonna listen to you and baby you, wrap you in love. Sometimes you need the advocator. That is where God goes, where Holy Spirit goes to God on our behalf, something like a lawyer in the heavenly realms, acting on our behalf, speaking on our behalf. Sometimes you need the intercessor. Do you ever have a problem going through your life where you do not know what's going on? You do not know what to say. You do not know what to pray for. Let him do it for you. It specifically says that that is his job. All you have to do is sit there and lay in God's presence and say, Holy Spirit, pray for me, and the job is done. I consider that a pretty good cheat code for life. <laughs> Romans 8.26. Sorry, this is how technologically advanced I am. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. Now, don't forget, Holy Spirit also acts as a convictor of sin. He will play this role during prayer too. Embrace this. Thank him for this. A lot of times we don't want to hear the tough stuff, but when someone really loves you, do they speak the tough things to you? Of course they do. And our God loves us more than anybody you know on this planet. Don't confuse Holy Spirit's conviction with Satan's condemnation. The enemy will be in our ear too. The way to tell the difference is Holy Spirit is loving and gentle. He'll correct you, but he does it in a way like a great parent would for you or a great spouse would for you in a gentle way that doesn't, when you leave the conversation, you don't feel guilty. You feel like you have a blueprint to how to get yourself back on path. Satan's condemnation, on the other hand, will be hate-filled. It'll be insulting. You're not good enough. You're not smart enough. No one's going to listen to you. Why are you here in the first place? Cancel that. Go back to Holy Spirit. Take control over what's over your ear and your mind. Okay, the third one I want to talk to real quick, I'm going to have to go quick, is God also speaks to us in user-specific ways is how I like to say it. He, realizing the specific ways Holy Spirit is trying to communicate to you. Remember, our God is the creator of all people, all languages. He is more than willing to fine-tune his message specifically for you. I'm going to list some of these real quick. Circumstances, okay? He can speak to you through your circumstances of what you're going, what, what you're dealing with in your life. I like to bring up the story of Jonah. You know, Jonah was given a message through Holy Spirit on what to do. He wasn't obedient. God swallowed him with a whale, so he gave him a little time to correct himself and, and to have a talk with God. Oops, sorry, my bad. Can I get a do-over? God gave him a do-over. What was your Jonah moment? We've all had at least one. I have about one a month where I do something wrong, Holy Spirit corrects me, and I get to analyze where I went wrong, where I heard something that he wanted me to hear, and I went the other way. People, God will, God will put people in your life for Holy Spirit to speak life into you. Young people of the church, there are some great seasoned Christians in this audience. Reach out to them, open up to them, embrace them. Seasoned Christians, find someone you relate to that you can be a mentor to. Don't be shy out there in the lobby. Get to know each other. Get to know each other through our crews. Make these relationships so we can breathe life into each other. Just remember, no matter how experienced your mentor is in communicating with Holy Spirit, he or she will not be infallible. Always test their words against the word. Dreams. I'm, I got to go real quick. 
Joseph, okay, uh, um, is there anyone that God spoke to more clearly in dreams than Joseph and his story? If you don't know his story, I highly recommend going home and getting your Bible in Genesis and reading it. I had a dream recently where God told me something, and I was 95% sure. You can never be positive, but this is where our growth comes in. I was 95% sure it meant something to me in my life and something I needed to change. I wasn't obedient. I went my own way. I held on to my own will for this certain specific task. And you know what? There was consequences. I was swallowed by that well. And you know what I did? I, I, I looked at it as growth in myself because I didn't get mad at myself. I kind of laughed and chuckled like, well, at least that's confirmation God was, in fact, speaking to me through my dream. And I should have paid more attention. I won't make that mistake again. When you listen to Holy Spirit, you don't always have to learn the hard way. I don't know if there's a lot of stubborn people in the audience, but I've had to learn the hard way way too many times in my life because I ignored his signs. I ignored his wonders. I ignored his messages. The, the fourth one is wonders. God, we know the story about Moses and the burning bush. We know the story about Joshua and the walls crumbling down. Um, in Numbers 22, they talk about Balaam and the donkey. I almost didn't bring this one up because I knew I was going to be short on time. But yesterday at, at, the home, at the homeless outreach, there was this lady that came up to me. And she said that she had this wonderful dog that was really sweet to all of us. And, and she said, this dog told me when I was pregnant. I was like, okay, that's my sign. That's Holy Spirit communicating to me that I need to say that to y'all because it might strike one of y'all in the audience. I don't know who that's for. The fifth one is music. Me and Renee Hogg, we always talk about DJ God. I don't know. When, when I like to keep my music on random, and God will speak in the most amazing ways when I'm going through something, when I'm praying about something, when I'm struggling about something. A song will come on, and I'm like, that wasn't from the artist. That was from the artist, Okay. In conclusion, focus on your Bible and prayer, especially as a beginner. Find what works for you. When you get confirmation, make a mental note, but always verify against Scripture. As you learn to hear Holy Spirit, be obedient. Don't learn the hard way. Give praises of thanksgiving that the God of the universe is speaking directly to you. This isn't, you don't have to, you have a direct line to the God of the universe, the one that created everything. How amazing is that? As you praise and give thanks, as you see confirmation, as you show obedience, you will grow more confident that you were, in fact, communicating directly to Holy Spirit. At this point, the communication will become even more clear. In turn, you will become even more confident and obedient. This is how we create the circle of growth in our communication with Holy Spirit. And I'm out. <laughs> Thank you. And I'd like to welcome Mackenzie Dedison. And I'm sorry, Dedison, Dedison. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I, I said it four times before I walked up, too. I'm so sorry. I got nervous. It's a hard name. Good morning. What an honor and a privilege to be sharing the word together here. Um, thank you, Michael, for bringing that energy, for bringing that education on the Holy Spirit. Um, how many of you have heard of the Enneagram? Maybe Myers-Briggs, yep, okay. If you haven't heard of it, if you didn't raise your hand, you likely don't have social media because it's like all over the place. So the Enneagram is basically just this like personality test, kind of tells you a little bit more about yourself, you know, how people around you work, how you can better communicate with them. So I'm reading this book called The Road Back to You, and one of the very first chapters is about my husband's Enneagram type. And I'm listening and I'm just swooning and I'm so proud of this man that I married and the amazing qualities that he has. And then we get to my Enneagram type and I'm bawling. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is highlighting all of the qualities about myself that I already hate so much. So 
at the end of the book, as it's wrapping up, I'm reminded of Genesis 126. It says, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. And so and the last chapter of the book, it says, every number on the Enneagram teaches us something about the nature and character of the God who made us. Inside each number is a hidden gift that reveals something about God's heart. So I'm an Enneagram type one, and I also favor an eight. I don't know if you guys, if you know much about the Enneagram, those aren't like the most liked Enneagram types. So ones and eights can be confrontational. They can have high standards. They can be critical and perfectionist, and they can have issues with resentment and impatience. So yes, I have really high standards for myself, for everybody around me, but also Jesus and God, they are perfectionists. In Psalm 1830, it says, this God, his way is perfect. And yes, I am confrontational, but if you look at the life of Jesus on earth, it is full of confrontation. I mean, he speaks the tough stuff, and he even flipped tables over it. So this echoes what Pastor Rich was saying last week, that we should all feel special in the way that God made us. We shouldn't be comparing ourselves to other people. Uh, if you've been around me long, you've probably heard me say that I wish I was a Mary Magdalene. Uh, if you haven't seen The Chosen, this is my plug for Pastor Rich. You absolutely should watch The Chosen. It portrays Mary just as this sweet, level-headed, calm, patient woman. I am the exact opposite. I am very opinionated, and I express those opinions very loudly. Um, but I have really learned, you know, to love the woman that I am and the qualities that God gave me because those are still needed. They're still necessary, and I am uniquely worthy. You know, we have these human relationships that more than often they fail, right? And somehow we directly translate that into our own self-worth. Like, oh, they left me, so there must be something wrong with me, or they feel that way about me, so it must be true. But the truth is we cannot control how other people feel about us. We can only control how we utilize those hidden gifts that God has chosen to give to us. Uh, I say all the time that if you look at my life, 15, 20 years ago, I was projected to be here. No, I wasn't meant to have nice things. And if you look at my life now, I am, I'm up here. I have all the things that I never even dreamed of having for my life. And I promise you that's because I'm the one, because Jesus left the 99 and he pursued me relentlessly. And he proved to me that I am worthy. So we are made in his image, right? And if that doesn't make you feel better about yourself, like, I don't know what will. We are made in the likeness of the king of kings, of the prince of peace, of the Alpha Omega. What an honor and a privilege that is. So I want to share some of the better qualities of a type one that are a reflection of him. Ones are conscientious and ethical with a strong sense of right and wrong. They are teachers, crusaders, and advocates for change. They're always striving to improve things. They are well-organized and orderly, and at their best, they are wise, discerning, realistic, and noble. So what are the qualities about yourself that you don't love? Are you passive? Are you ambitious? Are you a challenger? Are you passionate? Are you sensitive? You can look at your personality and all of those qualities that God gave to you and you can wish that you were different, you can view them as negative, or you can recognize them as the perfect intended piece of God, 
in your heart. We're all so different, right? There's these nine Enneagram types, but there's a million different combinations of them. Um, and all of them together create this beautiful body of Christ that I'm looking at right now. And each of them are so necessary and they're so worthy. Thank you all for the opportunity to talk. And I'm going to pass the mic over here to Trey. Come on, come on. Y'all give it up for every speaker. Didn't they do a good job? All right. This is what I like to call the fourth quarter. So it's time to bring it in. I'm going to start us off in Romans chapter 12, verse 6. It says, having then gifts differing according to the grace. Look to your neighbor and say grace. Now look to your neighbor that you ignored, say grace. That is given to us, let us use them. So we can see from this scripture that grace is a gift, but my question to you is, what is grace? Because I don't know about you all, I'm gonna talk about me, I often get confused in this Christianese language that we speak, and I would confuse words like grace with mercy and forgiveness and salvation and love. So the goal today is to bring clarity to what grace is. And I didn't get up here to tell you what I think about it. We gonna dive into your Bible and see what God has to say about it. Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse nine says that, my grace is all you need for my power works best in your weakness. Now, what is weakness? That is our human inability. Let's go to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. It says that grace be multiplied to you as his divine power, there's that word again, talking about grace, has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So in Corinthians, it talks about grace being power, and in Peter, it talks about grace has given us everything we need. And this is a quote that I stole, I can't take credit for this. It says that grace is God's empowerment that gives us the ability to go beyond our natural ability. Hey Trey, that sounds cool, but can you say it in English for me? I got y'all. See, the thing is, God will often give us everything we need to do the thing that he's called us to do, even if we think we're not good at it. Why? So that at the end of the day, we can't take any credit for it. It's all him. What's an example? For me, it's speaking. If you were to tell me eight years ago, I would be on a stage like this talking to people like you, I would look you dead in your face and say, you got the wrong one, bucko. Why? Because I remember, <laughs> I remember being in school and like doing a PowerPoint and then having to present on it. I was cool with the PowerPoint, cool with doing the work, but it was the getting up in front of people and talking part that I just dreaded. I would get up, I would get nervous, I would freak out, I would freeze, I would forget what I was going to say. And the difference from something like that to now is not that I got good at it. It's that I realized that it's not in my own ability that does this. It's God's ability. So what do I have to do? I have to lean in on God's grace and believe that he is who he says he is. Now there's two things why I wanted to talk about this today. The first thing is, I believe that all of you all have gifts too. Not me, Trey, like you, you all know me, bro. No, you, and it's not like a Christian encouragement, it's biblical. In 1 Peter chapter four, 
it says, as each one of you has received a gift. Notice that it does not say as each pastor, it does not say as each worship leader, as each fivefold minister, it says as each one of you. That's you, 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 all of you has received a gift. The second thing why this was important, I believe that one in three of you are not operating in your gift. Why do I say that? It's biblical. It's in Matthew chapter 25. I don't really have time to go into it in scripture, but it's the parable of the talents. It said like this little um, summary for you. A master is going to go on a long, long journey, emphasis on long, and he calls three servants. And to one, he gives five talents. To another, he gives two. And to the last one, he gives one. And then he goes off on this long journey. And when he comes back, he comes to collect. And the one with five presents 10. And the one with two presents four. And the master says to these two servants, well done, thou good and faithful servants, for you have been faithful. Now, what did they do to get that? They just used what was given to them. So the one servant that had one, what he did, he went and hid his talent in the ground. And he says, master, I, I knew you to be a hard man. And what's so sad about that story is this servant doesn't even know the nature of his master. And he says, what I did was I, I buried your talent in the ground. I still have it, here you go. Church, that would be like me saying to God, God, I feel like you created me to preach, but I was so scared on what people would say, I, I just preached in my bathroom to my mirror. God, I feel like you created me to motivate people to step into their calling, but I was so afraid of what people would think, I just preached in my car. And you know what this master says to his servant? You wicked and lazy servant. That's big. And it was because he didn't use the gift. The biggest thing that will stop you from operating in the gift that God has given you is fear and intimidation. And I don't know about you all, but I don't wanna be told you wicked and lazy servant. So what do we have to do? We have to use the gift that was given. Hey, hey Trey, I, I really don't know what my gift is. This is like new to me. Here's a quick plug. Here at Big Church, we teach a class called Cultured. It's once a month. And what it is, is the why behind the what on what we do here. And a part of it is you take a gifts test. You just answer out the questions and the way that it lines up, it's gonna tell you what your gifts are. And so what I wanna leave you all on is a question. Why not? Why not step out in faith? Why not chase your dreams? Why not go after the thing that you feel like you were created to do? Because chances are, if God put that in there, he didn't do it by accident. Amen? Amen, church. If I could, I'd like to ask you all to stand up.